from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs. This is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs. We have a great show for you today. We are part of the Locked On Network where you can hear about your team every day and us five days a week. This is going to be interesting. The Chiefs have made some changes. We're going to get into those both uh, what's going on in camp and what's going on in their front office. And we're going to dig into the competition that is maybe the widest right now in terms of how many guys are competing for spots in the wide receiver group. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, fun is exactly what I want to call this because every show is fun. And it's also fun to check out Peacock and Williamson, uh, our flagship show that moved over to their own feed. Check them out. Check out other sponsor, Built Bar. You can always get those. Uh, and you have a promo code that's down in the show notes as you well. have some of those left? I'm impressed. I ration them because my children steal them all. So, like, I have to hide them around the house. It's just the way that it goes. But we're going to get into a, a number of things about the Kansas City Chiefs today. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics, and your host at RGR Football as well as this show. And I'm Chris Clark. Thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we do have a little bit to talk about. Kansas City made a couple moves on Wednesday. Yeah, a number of things. Like, the most interesting things, uh, did you see player movement or just uh, the changes up front? Uh, really, just the changes up front. Okay. Uh, it looks like they have a bunch of promotions, and obviously all the guys they got promoted are well-deserving, especially the top three in Ryan Poles, Brant Tillis, and Mike Borgonzi. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's great. And when you look at, like, comparing, you can tell that Brett Veach is very happy with his staff, as he should be. They've done a heck of a job putting rosters together, especially when you think about uh, some of the things that they've had to do to counteract the big contracts that they have on this team. Now, that's yeah, what Brad Yeah, I was going to say that that's what Brad Tillis does. And so, like, he sets the tone by accomplishing some of that uh, cap work, uh, the contract work, obviously. And it's up to the, these guys, uh, including uh, Mike Borgonzi uh, up at the very top. Um, and he is now the assistant GM officially to Brett Beach. It's up to those guys to squeeze everything in, find talent in the draft, in free agency, uh, the UDFA group, especially that they've been hitting pretty hard the last couple of years in order to make up for those, uh, you know, gaps in the Tetris game that happen uh, alongside of the Chris Joneses and the Patrick Mahomes and the Travis Kelseys and those monster contracts. It takes a village. Like, does any one person stand out to you with their new title? I mean, the Berganzi, I, I'm not surprised because it sounds like uh, but when John Dorsey went away, it was between Brett Veach and Mike Berganzi for the for that job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not surprised that Veach became the GM because of his past with Reed. So that made a lot of sense. So it makes a lot of sense for Berganzi to be the assistant GM. And honestly, I could see a situation, and I don't really want to touch on this too much because it's speculation, but I could see a situation where all three of those guys are gone next year. I mean, there there could be a big one. I, I know Ryan Poles was in interviewing Carolina this last year. Like, so the, Brent Tillis, I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and success breeds interest. Like that's how that works. And and yep. kudos to all of them. Guys that are still working up the chain are the guys that do the bulk of the work. Right? They they are the day in day out guys, and they made a bunch of changes to that as well. And I think again, when you look at the staff as a whole, Brett Veach is very cognizant of treating the kudos that he gets as team kudos. He spreads that out, and, and he always talks about we as a staff. And yes, they're those guys at, at the very top, and, and they are the highest profile. But interesting that Ryan Nutt didn't have much of a change. You know, these are these are small changes there underneath right. the, the midsection. Ryan Nutt went from director of football scouting to senior director, as did Tim Terry on the pro personnel side. Um, 
You say it's small changes, but I'm sure they all came with a pay raise. So absolutely. Uh, and you when know, you look I mean, around the league, that senior word is important, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, that's really what it comes down to. When you get the uh, title of senior something, it comes with a pay raise. And honestly, you're right. I mean, a lot of these moves maybe don't move the needle, uh, but they're important for the guys to get recognition, and it's important that the team does that. So I'm really happy to see them do that. Yeah, uh, I, I'm curious to see how it's going to shake out in the next several years because, like I said, you have those top three guys probably going to be gone. Uh, I would imagine that if you don't have one of them gone, you have at least – or if you don't have all three of them gone, you have at least one of them gone this offseason. And I, like I said, wouldn't be shocked if all three are. So you're going to be needing to look to fill those positions in the coming years. And honestly, the other thing that's for Gonzi going to the assistants – yeah, I mean, you can see all of them moving. One big one for me is Trey Cozio going from what is a national scout spot up to an assistant director role. That's that's a pretty significant jump. Right. And I, I think that, again, like you said, when you see guys moving on, that you have to boost from within so that you can fill those roles from within. I think this is well, a preemptive move. And I also think that the assistant GM role, which is what I was trying to talk about when it comes to Berganzi, uh, it's very good for him because I think it'll put him in a position where he's dealing with everything that the GM will deal with. So he's getting a little bit more of experience on stuff that he probably wasn't getting experience on to begin with. Uh, GM is going to have to worry about the cap. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be his complete job. Mm-hmm. but That's going to be something he's going to have to look at and he's going to have to wade through. You know, cash is a whole other ballgame. And, and that's something that we haven't really talked about much. And we don't ever really talk about much. Uh, is how much cash the teams have to spend, and and that's another issue. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things that go into this. I I do think that uh, you know you're going to be seeing in the in the coming years uh, some big changes around the Chiefs front office. Uh, hopefully, they're able to keep a lot of the guys and just kind of move them up as they need be. But uh, I do think it's good for the, especially some of the area scouts to get moved as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys, in fact, guys that the the audience will recognize because you've seen them on pressers because they did the initial work on a lot of the draft picks. Willie Davis, yeah, I love Pat that the Chiefs do that. Yeah, I do too. Exactly. <laughs> Willie Davis, Pat Sperudo, Terry Delp, and David Henson all got the senior college scouting executive, which is an interesting one. I haven't seen that around the league very much. Um, you know, that's a boost from area scout, which is how they've been titled in the. That gives you again. I think Borgonzi, the assistant title, gets him a lot more looks in terms of a GM position. I think these senior executive type roles in personnel give you an opening um, in terms of not just like scouting director, but other personnel roles. And I think that's great for everybody to move up and out uh, when they have to. And I think the other part of it that it does is it's going to give them the ability to keep some of their guys that maybe they wouldn't have been able to. Uh, And I know that sounds silly, but at the same time, if you're giving them a senior, you know, executive type role, you're saying that you really appreciate what they do for your organization. And maybe you're trying to keep them around because you figure you're going to lose other guys and they're going to be moving up into different roles in the near future. So that's also something to be looking at as well. Yeah, it definitely is. And this is an interesting way for them to do it because they have to kind of balance everything. And uh, there's another balance that has to be achieved. And the, the Chiefs are becoming leaders on that side of it. So we're going to get to that coming up next. 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose. The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of lineups, not to mention the experts that have more time and more tools than you do. It's tough to win in DFS today. Introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. 
Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in the head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. I haven't been out in the DFS game in a long time, but Stat Hero is bringing me back. You are in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it's meant to be, one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. That's stathero.com slash locked on. The chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics versus us do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing their prices based on whims like the airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or an account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend twice the money for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com now, no matter how quickly you look at something. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> uh, with, the Chiefs, with the Chiefs coaching staff, you know, it's nice to see that even at a quick glance, you can see that there are progression here and then the Chiefs are a forward-thinking organization and continue to be so, not just in what we saw last year from the COVID protocols and what Rick Burkholder's team did to keep the team safe. And quite frankly, had one of the best seasons of anyone in terms of dealing with COVID. Right. That is, that's one thing completely. Now that they're branching out, and the last 18 months has seen a lot of change across the country, but particularly in football. We saw, uh, what was it, last month that they announced uh, that the Bill Walsh Coaching Fellowship is coming through, and Katie Sowers is joining the staff for that yeah. part. Um, and I like that move. Yeah, absolutely. And, and folks know Katie because she got a lot of notoriety when she was coaching with the Niners. Um, and, you know, did the Microsoft commercials, the right? Yeah. In I mean, the Super Bowl. Probably not as happy a memory as the rest of the people she works with today. But yeah, right. Just the way well, yeah, she doesn't have the Super Bowl ring that she'll be working, you know, that everybody else around her will have. So, right. Yeah. It's a bit of a challenge. But, but that's one thing. Uh, another announcement that was made today was that they have extended the concept of bringing more females into the staffs. And that is with uh, the Norma Hunt Training Camp Fellowship. Um, and it's a program. There's interns at camp every year. There's a ton of them, actually, because there's so much work to be done. Um, that's the opportunity for people uh, when especially like college students, new grads, that kind of thing that want to get into the sport. Uh, that's a spot to earn your way in with an internship. This looks to be an extension of this. And it, the whole goal is to provide career opportunities uh, down the line. And so you can kind of spread that out. But it looks like they have two fellowship here for and i like that they named it norma hunt because you know this is the chief's initiative but again can be a model for the rest of the league well, in the i just want to say you're talking about go ahead finish your thought i want to talk about norma hunt though yeah no absolutely 
I just think that not only putting that name on it, I think identifies not just Norman, but the, the organization as a, a way to spread this around the league and understand that who's who's blazing this trail in, in an effort to spread out and diversify who's contributing to this organization. Right. And I guess really what I want to say about Norma Hunt is obviously she hasn't had the, you know, the type of ownership that, uh, you know, Clark Hunt has shown. He, she hasn't been the chairman. She hasn't done any of that kind of stuff. It was always Lamar and it was always Clark. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about women's initiatives and in sports uh, in, in the NFL, she's been to every single Super Bowl, every Super Bowl. Uh, that's huge. And honestly, I, I know it's her just attending, but at the same time, you know, she's known for that fact. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate, you know, everything that the Hunt family has done for the organization. And by no means am I ever trying to take anything away from Norma Hunt. I'm not saying she hasn't been involved. I'm not trying to say any of that at all whatsoever. I'm just saying she hasn't been the face because well, it was Lamar and then it became Clark. Well, and well, let's and that's not trying to take away from her. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you're absolutely right. And, and let's mm-hmm. be frank. Times were different in the 60s when right. she and Lamar first got into this AFL conglomeration that has now become this sport. So, like, seeing that evolution all the way to today, I think that's important, too. And I like seeing the name on it there because of that. And it's not just normal, uh, you know, grounds or, you know, running errands like uh, some of the interns have had to do in the past. This is specifically outlined as um, working through salary cap management, working through contract structure and team operations. So that means uh, that Mark Donovan's involved in it as well. So it's not just a front office or just a uh, strength conditioning or a, a training opportunity. I think that's the big thing is that it's it's across the breadth of the organization as well. Right, because you're going into different areas that women generally haven't been. Yeah. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. You have women in different senior VP roles in different organizations, but you're talking about cap management. Yeah, you still have that some other places. But again, you're going into areas that have been predominantly male the entire for most of the entirety of the NFL. And And honestly, like I said, I mean, I really appreciate that they're doing this and I appreciate that they're recognizing Norma Hunt <laughs> for doing this, but it also means Kansas city is committed to it long-term. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do this for a year. They're not going to make this kind of announcement. And I, I'm not trying to call it a PR stunt because I don't think that's what it is, but they're not going to do this kind of thing. And it only be a season or two. This is something that they foresee being their future and in their future. So it's a bigger thing than, you know, than I think some people may give it credit for, but it, but you're right. It gives them an opportunity in places where generally women aren't. And, and the future is what it's all about, because you're going to see these people work with uh, what is the biggest group that needs to be wrangled out there on the practice field, the wide receivers, because there's so many of them. We're going to get into what this battle is going to look like coming up next. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars. And we recognize it's been hard to keep up with the brackets and all the new flavors, but let's remember, when it all comes said and done, there are a couple things that really stand out, like cookies and cream with 17 grams of protein at 130 calories, or almond coconut, which is one of my favorites still. And you can get a serious discount over at BuiltBar.com. By using the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 50% off your next order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. We talked a little bit with Matt Derrick yesterday about some of, of the position battles, especially in the defense. But 
it got me reviewing the roster of what the 90 is right now. Um, and let, let's do this just for fun. This is in alphabetical order. It has nothing to do with depth chart. But uh, Callaway, Dieter, French, Fink, Fortson, Fountain, Hardman, Hill, Kemp, Powell, Pringle, Robinson, Schoen, and Williams. It almost sounds like they need to make all of their wide receivers start with the letter beginning with M or before in the alphabet. Right. Because 85% of them seem to. Um, sorry, I mean nothing about that. Honestly, that is a ton of receivers. Uh, and that's a, I think it's going to be a deep group of wide receivers as well. Uh, the question is, is how deep does it go? And do you have a legitimate number two when you know you have your number one? Mm-hmm. And you probably have a guy that can run as your number three for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking Pringle right now. Um, and I, I don't know where I'm putting Powell on that list. So, you know, I look at them as having a one and a three for sure. Obviously, Robinson could play your four. Uh, he could even be a three if you really think uh, you want to go that direction. I wouldn't put him there. But, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a mixture of how they're going to run things throughout the entire year. So who knows who's going to be where. But, you know, Right now, this team is a legitimate number two away from having a very, very deep wide receiver class. And honestly, we won't know until you get to training camp if they really have a guy that can step in and be that number two. Yeah, and we're not talking about target share. We're we're talking right. about where they line up, and I assume that you're leaving Hardman at the three because he's likely to be in the slot the majority of the time. I don't – well, no, I'm looking at it just from a depth perspective. Like if mm-hmm. you're ranking the wide receivers one through six – I don't know that I could put Hardman as number two. Okay. I mean, by default, I think you could. Uh, Pringle, I think I would put above Hardman right now just because he seems to be where he's needed every single time. And that's okay. one of the most important things when it comes to playing in this league is being where you're supposed to be whenever you're supposed to be there. Um, Hardman has more skill than Pringle, but until he releases all of the other things that are keeping him from really ascending in his role, I don't see that you can really call him a straight number two. Now, the other side of it is, is honestly, a number two wide receiver in this in this organization is really going to be like your third receiving threat. Mm-hmm. So just know that up front. So clearly Hill is, is Hill. He's out top. Yep. So right now you see it as the next three being Pringle, Hardman, Robinson, correct? Right. The question becomes then, because like you said, you don't know who's going to be. Like Those guys are going to be fighting for it. I think they may have a fight on their hands with Cornell Powell as well. Is that how you see it too? Is those three for the number two spot? I don't really think Robinson can, can be in that spot personally just because he's had so many chances to get to that level and he hasn't. Uh, and the same really could be said for Pringle. Mm-hmm. Although the thing I would argue on when it comes to Pringle is Pringle hasn't had an opportunity when Watkins really wasn't here. He was very new when Watkins came to Kansas City. Robinson had already been here, so that's kind of where I'm coming from in that regard. Uh, but now without Watkins here, Pringle has the opportunity to step into that role. The question is, is he going to be able to take advantage of it and can he take a big step forward? Because he's going to have to if they're going to be successful on offense. And honestly, you're right. When it comes down to it, it doesn't really matter who your number two is. It's more of a structure of what's the depth chart more than anything else because it's a question of, you know, you know Hardman's going to play a lot of slot, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But who is going to be your go-to guy if Hill and Kelsey are going to be double-covered? Right. Or one of them are going to be double-covered and another one's on a route that really is not going to be good enough for what you want. 
Well, I think those three guys in in Powell, Robinson, Pringle, I think we we feel that they can all line up at the X and get off of press or at least are strong enough, built enough to try, right? Yep, yep. I don't know that that makes them, you know, receivers, if you just call Hardman too because he's he's kind of a shoe-in at that slot spot, right? So I don't know if they're the, the receivers three through five. I don't know if somebody is going to jump whoever loses that battle. Because I think there's some interesting guys beyond that. And from what we hear about who's getting reps at practice, it becomes, can Powell keep himself at the five spot? I think right now that, that'd be my guess. He's probably lower down. How do you feel about where Powell is in that mix? I think he's probably there right now. I do think that training camp is going to be big for him, and it could be big for all the wide receivers, honestly. I mean, that's really what it's going to come down to is who's able to beat the press when the pads come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can do all this stuff with, you know, no pads and no real coverage and no bump and run and all that. But until you can do it on the practice field or in a game situation, it's not really going to matter. So, you know, we've had and we continue to have every single year guys that we really like and hopefully that they can develop and think, OK, well, they're doing great in training camp, so they'll do well this season. That doesn't really generally but that doesn't always come to pass. Yeah. So that's something that you're going to have to look at and say, okay, is it something that they're going to be able to do in a game? And honestly, at least we have preseason games this year, so we can use that to judge some of these guys to get an idea. Although Kansas City is going to play very vanilla like they always do in the preseason, so you're only going to get a, a little smidge of an idea. Yeah. Well, and in this case, with this kind of battle, it's like a three-way to see who lines up as pretty much a starter week yeah. one. You know, that's you need a lot of reps to, to evaluate that, in my opinion. But it does make it clear to me is the experience of Robinson and Pringle get them on this roster. I, I don't see a way that they really lose out. I could be wrong, but I, I see them as having roster spots. I think Powell and being the draft selection, I think that gives him a spot. We're five deep already. And normally, traditionally, the Chiefs have kept six, and that six guys got to be special teamer. That makes sense. Then it comes down to me, what we're seeing and hearing, and if you guys look over the the photo galleries on Chiefs.com, it'll give you a little bit of idea. If you talk to the beat reporters, you get a little bit of an idea. And kind of, I'm putting this all together. This is not confirmed. This is just what I'm seeing is the guys that are then taking a lot of reps on offense and on special teams is Antonio Callaway as a primary returner rather than Hardman, which I think is good for McColl as well. Jarese Fountain seems to be making plays in practice. And I think that's really interesting. And then it gets into your your stalwarts, the guys that have played teams for you in the past, in Dieter and Kemp. Right now, I put them, you know, down there. I mean, we're talking six Callaway, seven Fountain. Right? Are they really eight and nine in Dieter and, and I should say Kemp and then Dieter because Dieter would definitely be below Marcus Kemp. I would think that that's probably. I mean, if that's the way the reps are shaking out, I, I would think that that's that's possible. I guess you know, and the thing that we didn't talk about, which actually plays into this a lot, that we haven't addressed at all, is how does Patrick feel about him? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not going to have roster decisions, but I guarantee you, Brett Beach and Andy Reid are going to be in his ear about you know, or at least completely watching who he has chemistry with and who he seems to be going to on a regular basis. And they're going to use that in their evaluations to try to figure out who to keep. So I think that that's something that it plays into it as well. So if you're looking at eight and nine for Dare for Dieter and Kip, I mean, that's way down there. And uh, I would imagine that one of them has a chance to make the roster. 
I don't know what to make of the Callaway as a returner as opposed to Hardman. Uh, I do think that that could help Hardman, but at the same time, that's one of the places he's most electric. So unless you're going to use him a ton more on offense, it doesn't really make sense to take it away unless you think Callaway's that much better, which I have a hard time seeing. Uh, or he would have been elsewhere other than just having an opportunity to come to Kansas City. So it's going to be intriguing to see how camp shakes out and to see how these different matchups go throughout camp and then watch who gets the reps with the ones in camp, who gets the reps with the twos in camp, who gets the reps with ones and twos in the, in the preseason games. And, you know, or do they make plays in the preseason games? Because that's really what it's going to come down to in the end. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I think Nate Taylor had the Callaway piece uh, or the, the the note on him last week. I, I want to see that continues as we see uh, the Thursday media sessions where they get to actually observe. I find that part of it very interesting because you, if if just the offensive production, and again, this is just shells. This is not full 11s or anything like that. Right. Um, if that progresses in this way, if we see that this week and particularly next week at minicamp, I think that gives you an idea that they're opting for new blood, maybe more athleticism. I think you can put that on, on Callaway for certain and probably Fountain as well. Fountain had a very good uh, athleticism coming out. He hasn't been a performer, but he's played teams. I think that's important. Maybe we're looking at a changing of the guard because I don't think they can go beyond six especially if they have to keep nine right now on the offensive line is my thought. So six is the outer limit for me. I don't see seven on this roster at the wide receiver spot. I can't see them keeping seven. The one thing I will say is that Callaway has a role, at least on special teams right now. That's going to be a huge thing for Fountain. If he wants to a chance to make this team is he has to show the ability to play on special teams and do something on special teams. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be something to watch in, in training camp and preseason to see where he lines up. Uh, one of the keys, as it is every year when you're watching preseason games, watch who's on your starting unit of your four core special teams. That'll give you an idea as to where guys rank because they're going to be playing them so they can see what they look like on their in their special teams roles because those are the guys that are going to be determined whether or not they make the roster based on what they do on special teams. Yeah. So definitely watch that during the preseason. The question I have going into this and the only thing I would say with a caveat is I can't imagine Kansas City makes any other moves at this point. I can't imagine they're going to be bringing anybody else in or they make a trade of some sort. But that's the other thought is, is there going to be a wide receiver that is going to be let go from somewhere else or that is going to be traded from somewhere else that they have a ton of depth? Or is there somebody that they think can upgrade that number two spot? Because right now, Yes, McColl is going to be on the field a lot as a slot, but I still don't know that I would consider him your number two wide receiver. Well, and I'll tell you this. I think maybe when we get if a little does, in, Robinson, in my opinion, would be the one to, to lose out. Sorry. Well, and that's fair. But and maybe maybe when we see a little bit more reps after the, the Thursday session, maybe we'll have an idea. We'll talk who might be able to be traded. It's not just the offensive line that may have value. We'll come back and we'll talk about that tomorrow, folks. Let us know what you like about this wide receiver battle down in the comments on YouTube and in the iTunes reviews over there, as well as hit us at Locked on Chiefs with your opinions. We appreciate you taking the time today to listen, watch wherever you are. If you're uh, over on YouTube, make sure that you get subbed. And if you guys are having any trouble with uh, Apple in terms of downloads for the podcast, check out Spotify, uh, check out Odyssey, check out uh, even Amazon. You can find us anywhere. We appreciate you listening to us today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. 
Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.